Welcome to Burned Out Much, the podcast that teaches you how to manage your stress, overcome burnout, and kick major booty in work that you absolutely adore, all with way less hustle and stress. And now, here's your host, burnout expert, unabashed dog mom, and professional life coach, Stacy Mitchell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Burned Out Much podcast. I am super excited to have a really great friend, compadre in the online coaching uh, business industry with me today. Her name is Kelly Shields. I'm going to let her introduce herself because I think it's way more interesting that way than me reading a bio. So Kelly, tell us all about you. Um, absolutely. And Stacy, I'm just so glad to be here talking with you today. Um, you're just such a great coach and such a great colleague, and it's just wonderful to be on your podcast. Um, but about me, um, I am a career and life coach, and I help unfulfilled professionals who feel stuck in soul-sucking jobs or careers figure out what it is that they really need to have an amazing, fulfilling career and to find work that they find meaningful, profitable, and enjoyable. Amazing. And tell us a little bit about personal life. Where are you? What do you do uh, in your spare time? Sure. Um, I live outside Washington, D.C., so it's been an interesting 2021 so far. And I bet. Yeah. As we record this, it's an interesting week. We're recording this a couple days before the inauguration, so hopefully, hopefully everything will be smooth, and as I'm sure we all hope that. Um, but yeah, um, I... Um, live in Arlington, right outside Washington, D.C. I am not really a hobby person, mostly. I just love spending time with my friends I'm a, or pets. I'm a huge animal person. I have two adorable orange fluffy cats. And um, apparently I've become the go-to person for skincare advice among my friends, however, because I apparently developed that into a hobby because I find reading all the articles and watching all of the um, YouTube videos to be interesting. So that's that's now my little side hustle. <laughs> For free. I'm going to, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to have to like talk to you about this because I follow a few uh, skincare podcasts. <laughs> we need to have this conversation. Like, Ooh, we could talk about this. <laughs> I love it. We'll save it for another time, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to know more about your story just so that people can get to know you better. So before we get into your burnout story, tell us a little bit about like, who you are and how you got to this place. Sure. So, you know, growing up, I was always that kid who was great at school, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I did really well. And so, to me, it just made a lot of sense to, after college, go on to law school. And so that was a lot of my life. I spent 13 years as um, an attorney and looked very successful from the outside. But um, unfortunately, I discovered about two-thirds of the way through law school that I hated being an attorney. And I was already approaching six figures in debt from law school by that point. So mm. I felt completely trapped. Um, and I think I was really lucky in a lot of ways because I managed to get attorney jobs after that where I worked with wonderful people. Um, and I always try to make clear that I, I love all the people I worked with, but I hated the work. Um, it was not using any of my energizers. And every single day, I was basically gritting my teeth just to try to get everything done. Um, I could do it really well, but it was so draining to me. Um, 
So eventually I, I did switch to a company. I worked at a law firm for a few years. I actually worked for a judge before that for a year. Um, but, you know, switching to a company helped. Um, but then the golden handcuffs kind of set in. Um, so mm. I was miserable, but I was comfortable. And I kept telling myself that I just needed to like this job because it's, you know, what society would consider a good job. And so I kept staying and I think my life probably would have worked out a little bit better if I would have viewed that company job as a as an interim job to get away from a law firm and figure out what the next step was. But um, I kept trying to power through there. And that's what led to my burnout story. Mm. I just want to say, I feel like so many people out there listening are going to be like, this is me, this is me, <laughs> which is awful. I'm not happy for that. But I think that there's going to be so many that are like nodding their heads like, yep, trapped, yep, debt, yep, figured oh. it out too late. Yep. It's so painful. And uh, everyone out there, I feel you so much. And there is life on the other side. <laughs> uh, there is life on the other side. There is. We get to be the examples. But... You really led us into like that next question. What was your burnout journey like? What was it like for you? What was life like for you during the worst of your burnout? Oh, you know, my body was giving me signals for a really long time that I needed to pay attention, that something was wrong, that work wasn't working for me or this particular work wasn't working for me. And um, I just kept ignoring it, honestly. Or I'd pay attention to it and do something. Um, I'd read a book, I'd take some assessments, I'd go see a doctor. But I developed depression, I developed chronic fatigue. And I just kept thinking, though, that no, I can't leave my job. That's just, I don't know if I actually thought the word weak, but just you don't quit something like that. You're supposed to succeed in our society, you're supposed to keep going. Um, and it was manageable for a while. And I don't know that it was truly manageable if you want to be having any kind of a good life, but I felt like mm -hmm. I was managing. And then I wasn't finally. Um, I just had kept pushing for so long that, you know, when I hit the worst of my burnout, I was just dragging myself to work every morning, rolling out of bed, forcing myself to go to work, um, couldn't do my hair or makeup, just didn't look like myself. And then at the end of the day, I would just drag myself home, basically crash on the couch until I could drag myself upstairs to go to bed and then rinse, repeat every day. That's just what life was like at that point. And that's not life. That doesn't work. Yeah. And I think you said something along the lines of like, I was managing it, but also not. And it's the sort of like you normalize the burnout. You're like, this is just life. Exactly. I think that's- But it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. such an important oh. thing to point out. Like it feels like you should be, yeah. And especially, I think especially if you live in an area or work in a field where the concept of overworking or powering through or just not quitting or not taking a break is what the cultural norm is. It can feel really hard to recognize, wait, that's that whole perception isn't healthy or normal and we shouldn't be buying into it. Hmm. Yeah. It's almost like brainwashing, like you're sort of brainwashed and you just don't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Ooh. So would you say that there was a specific turning point for you with your burnout? Yeah. Um, I 
think that actually was when I finally decided to get help. Um, I really needed to get outside help with what was going on. I, I don't know that I would have labeled it burnout at the time, but that's what was going on. I came to understand that later. But I needed to work with somebody who just helped me really start understanding that I needed to listen to what my body was telling me, that this was going to keep going on as long as I ignored it, and who could help me take some actions to start making changes in my life. And that really made a, that, that made the difference for me. So powerful. And I think it's really interesting that you say, because I hear this a lot, you didn't know you were burned out. Like you wouldn't have put that label on it. And I think it's so interesting. I, I do think it's getting more common that people know what burnout is. But at the same time, I still hear from people who, who will message me and be like, oh my gosh, I'm burned out. They just had no idea. Yeah. Oh, but that's why what you're doing as a burnout coach and just why growing awareness of this so much is so important because I think we just can't always see it or don't always recognize it until we see someone describing what burnout looks like and realize, oh this is what's going on. This isn't normal or okay. Yeah. It's like, I don't feel quite like myself, but I don't know how to explain what this really is. Exactly. It really is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like so many people are going to be nodding their heads again. Like, <laughs> uh, So I, I'm so curious. You, you got a coach and now you are a coach and you're an entrepreneur. Like what was that path like and how did you decide that was the right thing for you? So for me, you know, I worked with a number of, I worked with, well, not a number of different people, but a couple of different people who helped. I worked with somebody who helped me with burnout. And then I went on to work with a career coach um, who's amazing. And I actually do um, a lot of work with um, her coaching program now, Career Clarity. Um, I think that, you know, I needed to work with a coach or somebody who had a strategy and a structure to help me really think through and understand what I needed to really thrive and be happy in my career and to go out and just make sure what was going on in my head I could actually find in the world and create that in the world. And just, I just, we don't really learn how to figure out what work we're going to love, what, how, what, what we're going to thrive in and how to make sure that the idea we have is actually as dreamy in real life as it is in our heads. And so going through a structured process and getting one-on-one -on -one support for me made a huge difference. And just each step of the way, I kept stepping more and more towards exploring coaching, starting to coach, learning more and more, and getting more and more confirmation that I actually loved it. It was the first work I'd ever enjoyed. It's the first time I ever experienced um, a flow state. And as far as the, I as far as the career part, like I actually love coaching people in all sorts of areas. I'm a life and career coach, but I do work with unfulfilled professionals because I've lived it and I understand so much just how life draining it is and how big a part of our lives work is. And it's supposed to be a good part of our lives. And I want to help people find that. Yeah. And it's so powerful. I think, uh, this this idea of finding work and you said something along the lines of like making sure that the dream you have in your head will actually be like the dream in real life <laughs> you know yeah um, <laughs> and like it's so important and i do think having a coach is so helpful i'm curious because you said something along the lines of like taking small actions and testing some like hypotheses for lack of better words like mm -hmm. do i really enjoy this can you give me an example of what that might have looked like 
Um, so, I mean, a simple one was I started going out and talking to coaches and just finding out about their daily lives and their businesses. And um, interestingly, um, I, as I talked to them, my reaction almost universally was like, oh, these are my people. Um, oh, yeah. There, there were certainly other steps. I did a lot of research. I started, you know, coaching people I knew and just testing it out. Um, but just going out into the world and finding out what is this actually like in real life um, made a huge difference and was gave me something to work towards instead of just something, namely the law, to walk away from. Mm, that's powerful. That's really powerful. And I think I, I think it's Marie Forleo who says this a lot, but I think a lot of people say this, to be honest. And I say it too, like action brings clarity. Mm, it is so true. Um, I think it's also that um, confidence follows action as well. And it's mm -hmm. something that I really wish were not true because life would be a lot easier if it were the opposite way. But that's exactly it. Um, clarity and confidence both follow taking action. And that's why I love baby steps because we want to, you want to take steps that you can take, maybe that are a stretch, but you know, that are still, that are not overwhelming, that you can actually take and keep moving. So I think that's a great strategy personally. Love it. Yeah. The confidence piece is really hard because you don't usually feel confident before action is after. And it's like, oh, well, that sucks. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes that part. Nope. None of us do. <laughs> well, tell me more about the decision to become an entrepreneur because I'm interested in that as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, that one was interesting. I have always been somebody who has just been fascinated by people who have started their own businesses and always just been gravitated towards stories about that and tried to learn about it and just kind of had side ideas of, oh, that would be a fun business. Um, honestly, I think the reason for coaching, part of it was that I've always had this interest and desire in trying to create something. And part of it was that since I was interested in coaching, um, it's kind of hard sometimes to find just a regular job. That's a good job where you can coach. And a great path for that is to become an entrepreneur. And I don't want to say there aren't those jobs out there. There absolutely are. But I was interested in, you know, I, I love flexibility. One of my biggest joys is on a beautiful day, beautiful afternoon, being able to take my laptop out into my backyard and just sit in the sun and do some work. And that is something I want in my life. And you can do that when, I mean, I guess many of us can do that during the pandemic, technically. Yeah. Um, but um, that's something I really value. And I think that the opportunity to create something is also really fun. So that's what led me to entrepreneurship. Love it. Yes. And I think I think you're right. Like coaching, you can find coaching jobs, but it's just not the same. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as entrepreneurship. I've been a coach, actually, and employed. I've been a career coach for universities. And it's awesome in its own way, but it's not the same. And I couldn't go work on my laptop easily outside and I couldn't create things just because I was super excited about them. So I think it's a really good point. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like there, there are, there are jobs. I know coaches employed in those, but there are some other things that you can't get during that. You can't get during one of those jobs. And those are the, those are the reasons people love being entrepreneurs. Exactly right. Yeah. So true. Well, 
I like to talk about this a lot because I think it's super important to sort of normalize this, but what fears really came up for you when you were making this <laughs> decision? Oh, yeah. Um, I think, goodness, money was a big one. Failure was a big one. Um, what were people going to think of me? Just these ideas that this was something different than what most people I knew were doing. Um, most people I knew were like, oh, I have a job. I'm going to keep my job. I do my job. Like, why would you leave that? And just the idea of doing something different, what would all these people in my legal circles think of what I was doing? What if I failed in front of them? And what if I couldn't support myself? I can definitely go to worst case scenario so easily. And so I jump straight to what if I lose my house and I'm homeless and you know living in a van by the river with my cats, um, which you don't <laughs> need to go that far. But you know, for those of us who kind of catastrophize these things, yeah, that comes up a lot. So but those fears are just normal. It's just part of the process. It does not make it any easier. But if you're having those concerns or worries, it's every single person I've talked to has some variation of those fears. Absolutely. I've never talked to someone that was like, yep, I just did it. (laughs) (laughs) It was super easy. I had no, I had no fears. I was not scared of anything. I didn't feel like an imposter. Like those people do not exist. Don't let them lie and say that they do. (laughs) Exactly. And Guys, just so you know, like we look at other coaches or other entrepreneurs, I should say, on social media too and think, oh, wow, it looks like they have it all together and they're not worried. And, you know, they have all the same fears and all the same stuff going on behind the scenes. So I'm really glad you're normalizing this conversation, Stacey. Absolutely. I just think it's like so easy to get stuck into the, like, you see people having success. I always say like they share the, the success reel. It's like, look at me, I'm amazing. And then behind the scenes, they're like, oh my God, nobody has signed up for this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's totally normal. So just everybody that's listening is totally normal. I want to know though, like I'm really curious for those fears. And I think especially the money ones, because that was a very hard one for me. What did you do to get over those? Oh, man, I think that is, I actually think that's something you have to kind of keep working on. I, I don't think you just snap your fingers and get over it. Um, you have to do a lot of mindset work with it. Um, I, again, hired a business coach um, to help me. I think that's really important. Like somebody trying to figure this out on your own is really hard. And um, for any of your listeners who know about Gretchen Rubin and her four tendencies, which I am obsessed with, and we don't have time to go all the way into there, um, I am an obliger, which means that I do really well with external accountability, which you kind of don't get as your own boss. But um, hiring a business coach helps me get that. And that's something that has helped me to focus on creating strategies and to keep taking steps forward towards building something and just starting to build the the knowledge and skill sets of being a business owner because that's just something you have to learn. And it's not something that some people are born with and some people aren't. I mean, you have to learn how to do everything. You had to learn how to ride a bike and learning how to be an entrepreneur and run a business is just something you need to learn. So yeah, my, my biggest, my biggest recommendation would be to find someone to help you and they can help you work through and keep working through the mindset issues that come up because that's probably the biggest thing that 
I see coming up um, for me and other entrepreneurs is just the mindset, the fears keep coming up and you just got to keep working through them. Yeah. I mean, I, I so agree with that. And I think, um, I think when you're new, you, you have this idea that like, I just need to know the strategies. (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, the mindset stuff really is the hard stuff. I also want to say I am also an obliger. So yay, obligers. (laughs) Oh, I did not know that. That's, that's so great to know. I always like finding my obliger tribe. The Obliger tribe is here. Um, I could say so much more about this, but I also am curious, and I'm going all over the place, but because we're talking about assessments, do you know what your Enneagram is? (laughs) So I love the Enneagram. I love using it with clients. I have taken it, read read so many of the books, talked to certified Enneagram coaches, and you know something? None of us are sure what my Enneagram type is, which is Kind of, <laughs> That's amazing. Kind of ridiculous, <laughs> but yeah, you. Um, I have multiple conversations. We're kind of down to probably a two, six, or seven. Probably either a six wing seven, seven wing six, or two wing three. But yeah, none of us have been able to like. It's it's yeah, none of us have been able to narrow it down all the way. Talked the code yet? I was just super curious. I was like, "Ooh, I wonder." <laughs> no, I love it. I'm always. I love discussing the enneagram. I'm, I love. I'm. I'm just as curious about people's enneagrams types. I love using it to help other clients. Just then, when it comes to me, it has to be like, "Uh, so a lot of really smart people and resources have gone into this, and we're all like, huh, you're an interesting person, Kelly.'" Maybe you're just very complex, and that's okay. <laughs> I like it. I think we'll go with that. <laughs> oh. Well, since I got us off track, (laughs) get back to our questions. What would you say has been the hardest part for you with making this transition? And what would you like wish that you had known before? You know, what I, what I wish I would have known before is to start earlier um, or maybe more specific, maybe it's more accurate to say, I wish I would have just listen to my body earlier, listen to myself earlier and given myself permission to say, I really don't want to keep being a lawyer and I'm going to go get career coaching to help me figure out what I do want to do. Um, I kept pushing through and muscling through. And I, I think that's what a lot of us just have learned to do. And because of that, I burned out so hard that I had to quit my job and take a sabbatical just to recover my health and before I could start on an entrepreneurship journey. And I think if I would have gotten help earlier, um, for me, probably a career coach and figuring out what I wanted to do, but maybe even burnout coaching earlier and using that to leverage it into career coaching, I could have started building my business years earlier while I was still at my older job, my old job. And I think that would have just been a much more positive experience, both for my life and for the transition into entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. It's like the paying attention, paying attention to ourselves for some weird reason is I think one of the hardest things. Yeah, that's a really great observation and it shouldn't be the case, but it's so true. So um, yeah, just paying attention to yourself and learning to trust yourself and listening, listening to what's going on inside of you. It's, you know, you're not being weak or lazy if you don't like your job, if you're exhausted, if you are 
um, finding yourself running, being run into the ground, which doesn't have to be from overwork. It can be from lots of different things. Um, but paying attention to that, those are those are really important signals. And listening to them is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourselves and a great way to give yourself a leg up on the next chapter of your life. Absolutely. This actually brings me to a question that I had written down because I was like, ooh, I want to know more and I'm sure other people will want to know too. You mentioned energizers, like you weren't using enough energizers, I think is what you said, mm-hmm. um, in that job. Can you explain what you mean with that? Sure. Um, so I'm thinking about energizing strengths when I talk about that. And as a lawyer, for example, I was sitting by myself in a room with a computer and the law. And I was thinking about the law and trying to make connections and put things together. And I could do it well. But my energizing strengths are almost all rooted in relationships and people. Um, like empathy is my highest strength. And um, when I took the Strengths Finder assessment, for example, four of my top five strengths were all in relationship building. And the fifth one was communication for anyone who's interested. Um, and I wasn't doing anything with people. I was by myself. I was working with ideas and things on paper. And, you know, it's not just about the amount of work you're doing. It's about are you getting anything from that? And I get energy from coaching. Um, Time flies by when I am spending time one-on-one deeply talking with someone and helping them, connecting with them, and helping them come to realizations. Um, When I'm just working with ideas and analyzing statutes and talking about things, which I totally did about subsection A to B3, which you actually do when you're a lawyer, um, I can do it, but it's not giving me anything. So figuring out what those things that you are both good at and enjoy, those are what your strengths are to me. Things that you're both good at and that bring you energy, those are what your your strengths are, Um, not just something you can do well. And if you can focus on those strengths, those things that do bring you energy and that you do enjoy, you're actually going to be feeding into yourself while you're working and recharging yourself while you're working. And that just makes a world of difference. It really does. And I think it's interesting. You can be good at something that does not mean that you have to do that work forever. (laughs) Exactly. I I just, I, I mean, you may have seen on social, I just quit you know, my last day was Friday and somebody said in my departure party, like, we don't know what part of the job, like you don't enjoy and we don't know what you're not good at. (laughs) And I'm like, it's not that I'm not good at. Yep. (laughs) I'm not trying to be like, who look at me, but that's not what it was. It was just, I did not enjoy it. And it's the same kind of thing. Like it just took all of my energy to the point where it's like, I didn't, like, I just didn't want to do the work anymore. Oh, exactly. And by the way, congratulations. I realized, I, yeah, I did realize that Friday was your last day. And that is so exciting. I'm so happy for you about that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Talk about all those fears, right? There was a lot of overcoming them. <laughs> and I know you've done a lot of work on those, but like, yeah, you've learned how to do it well and you're helping so many people. It's been amazing. I appreciate that. And I will say, like, I, I've been thinking about this idea more. You mentioned it before where it's like, if I would have gotten help earlier, maybe I could have built my business on the side. And 
I think that doing something really purposeful on the side, depending on what your job is and like where you're at in your burnout journey can be really helpful to give you like that energizing work that maybe you're not getting in your full-time job, which I just think is important. Yeah. Important to note. I think it's, I love the way you phrased it too, because it does depend on your job and it does depend on where you are in your burnout journey. But it's it's that idea that, you know, it's not just the amount of work you're doing, but even sometimes doing more work, but adding something in that actually feeds you and energizes you makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And it gets you, it lets you see like the little bit of a sliver of happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's very important. (laughs) Well, I want to know, like, what would you say to someone who is really struggling in their current career and they're wanting to do something else that they're passionate about, more passionate about? Oh, first of all, I would say I want to give you a hug. I know exactly how you feel. Um, But also, like, don't feel guilty that you are struggling or unhappy. Um, There is this phenomenon that we call gratitude shaming, where we beat ourselves up because we're like, oh, I I shouldn't complain. Um, We feel like we should just be content and be grateful to have a job, and especially if you make a good salary. Um, And I would love for you to hear that that's just not true. It is you know, shoving down how you feel, ignoring the truth of what's going on, you know, that's not being content or grateful. That is just hurting you. So please give yourself permission to feel what you feel and be aware of it. And then secondly, there is absolutely work that you will love and you can absolutely make the change to it. You know, we were never taught how to find that work, and let alone how to change lanes if we need to do that so we can move into it. So don't try to muscle through and do it on your own. I mean, feel free to read books, take assessments, and look into things on your own. But honestly, just get some support. Find someone who, you know, you can trust, whose work you have confidence in. Find a career coach if you don't know what work you want to do. Find a business coach if you know you want to become an entrepreneur or start your own business. And that can make it so much easier and actually make help you make the transition happen. There's just a difference between learning and being able to take action and getting some help can make all the difference in the world. Oh, you're so right. And I think having the accountability and having someone to to help you question your own brain, because we just can't see within our own brains. We can't yes. see all the lies we tell ourselves. Yes. Um, so important. And also, I've never heard of the actual phrase gratitude shaming, but I'm like, ooh, that is good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> One of my favorites. It's just, it's so powerful. And I know I lived it. I definitely lived it because I, I, my job was like the, as you said before, the good job. Like I made a lot of money. I got a lot of vacation time. I worked with incredible people. I was, you know, very lucky to have that kind of job. But it's also like, if you're not happy, then it's not the job for you. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Exactly. It could be the best job in the world, but if it's not the one for you, it doesn't really matter, does it? Exactly. <laughs> like, it, can be a, it can be a dream job, but that doesn't mean it's a good job for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just so important for people to hear. Because I think there is so much of it, as you said, where it's like, I should just be happy. I should just be grateful. And I think especially now because of the pandemic, I think people look around and they're like, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so grateful, (laughs) which I think is great. At the same time, it's like, don't let that make, keep you stuck. 
Exactly. And in something you hate. Yeah. Exactly. Well, as we're wrapping up, I, I love asking some fun questions and I want to know what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? <laughs> I really wish I could go back and talk to her. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love to tell that 20-year-old girl that, you know, the world of school that you have completely existed in for your entire life is nothing like the world of work. And no matter how good you are at school or how much you've been led to believe that, great, you just need to get good grades and do well in school and the rest is going to line up, um, they're not teaching you how to figure out what work you are really going to find fulfilling and enjoyable. And there are actually concrete things that you need to do to figure that out. And it may have nothing to do with what subjects you enjoy or classes you enjoy, um, like, or what you think is going to work. And, but, and figure out, take some time to learn and get some help with learning, you know, what work is really going to work for me um, early on, I think would have really been a helpful lesson for me to learn back in the day. It's so good. I think that really is advice that so many people, especially like the younger people listening, they could be like, oh, because it is so very different. And, you know, school, you learn about theory, but very little do you learn about application. Like you're not actually going out into the world to do the thing. Exactly. And, and it just makes it that much harder. Yes. And you, you don't know what your, I mean, you don't know what your day is going to be like, literally from even being interested. Yeah. You can be, you can be fascinated in a subject. Like you said, you can be fascinated in the theory, but then how you spend your day might completely not work for you. Um, and I'm sure there are, you know, there are amazing counselors working at college, for example, but still, um, there's some strategic thinking and things you need to learn how to do, and it's not just going to come to you. So going out and seeking that and learning how to figure that out is just a great thing to learn at any age. But hey, if you could learn it at 20, that's a game changer. It is. I think it's a game changer. And also, I think the idea that you know, you're going to choose something when you're 20 that's going to last your entire life. It's like, <laughs> good luck with that. Exactly. <laughs> I do love that people have started to change careers more often. I think that's much more realistic. It works so well in a knowledge economy and a gig economy. Um, and yeah. it's very freeing. But yes, if you, I think anyone who thinks back to themselves at 20 is, realizes how little we knew at that point. So yeah. Please don't walk oh, yourself. Please don't walk yourself into what you majored in back in the day. What did you major in? I'm super curious now. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> it is an interesting question. Um, I majored in economics and communication, and um, I mean, I thought it was all interesting. I enjoyed moving lines on graphs in economics, and it did help me as a lawyer. I did find communication theory and organizational communication theory really interesting, um, but yeah. Um, I kind of just used that as a basis for law school at that point. And, you know, yeah, I I don't regret any credentials. Like, I mean, I learned stuff in every, you know, degree and job. But I've talked to so many people who feel trapped by their undergraduate or graduate degree and that they think they picked the wrong, they picked the wrong major, they mm. picked the wrong degree, and now they're locked on the wrong path. And you are not, I promise you. Um, sometimes... Getting someone to help you see that is the most important thing. Yeah. 
I think so too. And I think the realization that like something that you studied for me, it would be like 16 years ago. If I'm talking about 20 year old self, I'm like, it definitely has an impact because I studied psychology and counseling. Clearly Mm. it has an impact on coaching. Yes. But at the same time, when I was 20, I didn't want anything to do with business. Like I, I'm going to go ahead and say like (laughs) business majors. I was like, that is so boring. (laughs) And I'm like, here I am like all into it and loving it. (laughs) So you never know what things, what life is going to sort of throw in your, your path. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm so glad you told people that. And I kind of think that being an entrepreneur and starting a business as an adult is probably very different than what you would have learned as a business major in undergrad. Oh yeah. I absolutely think so. But I still think it's funny that I thought business was like the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> oh, well, it all comes back, right? It all comes back around. Exactly. Well, this has been, I have to say, just such a fun conversation, but also really enlightening. And I think so many people will enjoy learning from you and will want to connect with you more and learn more from you. So tell us where they can find you. You can find me on my website um, is www.kellyshields.com. And just so you hear it, it's K-E-L-L-E-Y-S-H-I-E-L-D-S. Or you can find me on Instagram as at kellyshields underscore. I will also link to those in the show notes. Kelly, I am just so glad that you came on. I think so many people will want to reach out to you, will want to learn from you and I'm just excited. I'm excited to to put this podcast out. Oh, thank you so much, Stacey. It's just been, it's always great to talk to you. And this has just been a fabulous time together to record this. If you love this podcast and want more, you have to check out Stacey's Burned Out Much Facebook community, where she shares more tips, training, and free coaching opportunities. Learn more over at stacymitchell.com slash group. And don't forget to review, subscribe, and share with a friend.